Welcome to the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. I am Dr. Nicole Lowe, and with me is Dr. Stephanie Edmonds. We are both PhD-prepared nurses and the founders of Woman-Centered Health. Join us as we talk with health professionals and researchers who can help you improve your communication with patients about sexual and reproductive health. Please visit our website to learn more and connect with us on social media by going to www.womancenteredhealth.com. everybody and welcome to the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. Today we are celebrating, celebrating podcasting for four years, the release of over 50 episodes and over 40,000 downloads. And we want to send a big thank you to our listeners and all of our amazing guests. Stephanie and I have been so lucky to connect and create such an amazing network of experts doing incredible work. So being the research nerds that Nicole and I are, we wanted to spend some time analyzing our previous episodes and discussing common themes and lessons learned. We thought that recording this episode would help newer listeners know which episodes to go back to and help all of our listeners synthesize all this incredible content into the nuts and bolts of communicating with patients and peers or really anyone. So today, Nicole and I will start off discussing how we started and where we are today, discuss the top 10 most listened to episodes and the five episodes that are foundational to women-centered communication. We also have a big announcement at the end of this episode, so please stay tuned. And not just like a big announcement, but like a huge announcement. So trust me, y'all are going to want to stick around. Okay, so when we started this podcast, our mission was and still is to advance sexual and reproductive health through communication. More specifically, we said, quote, non-judgmental, personalized, and holistic communication, end quote, which is how we were defining women-centered healthcare four years ago. But after recording over 50 episodes, we have several thoughts about what women-centered communication is, and we felt that our definition should be updated to be more specific and more informed. And we think it would really be a disservice and not scholarly to keep our definition stagnant after learning so much over the past 50 episodes. And Stephanie and I were having a conversation that really this podcast has become almost one big qualitative research project. And within qualitative research project, unlike quantitative research where you typically have a hypothesis that you're testing, in qualitative research you don't, you just have a question. And it is not okay to come into qualitative research already thinking you know what the result's going to be. Because if you come in thinking, I think this is what I'm going to find in my study, you're introducing a lot of bias and doing a really big disservice to your qualitative research project. So again, we really felt that keeping it stagnant and not thinking about all the this huge body of work we did would really be a disservice to this gigantic body of work that we've created. So now our updated definition of woman-centered health is that woman-centered health is operating from a reproductive justice framework to develop a life health plan that is fluid and reflective of the individual's life experience through shared decision-making, compassion, and non-judgmental communication. So like the qualitative researchers that we are, let's unpack the definition a bit. So first, let's talk about reproductive justice. So according to Sister Song, reproductive justice is, quote, the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, have children, 
not have children, and parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities, end quote. We have had two episodes specifically about reproductive justice, but in so many of our episodes, our guests brought up how their lens was also informed by reproductive justice. Second, we use the term life health plan to recognize that reproductive health is just one facet of an individual's entire life and health. Third, we intentionally added the term fluid because we want clinicians to recognize that patients' decisions can and will and could change at any time. As clinicians, we need to collaborate with patients to help them make the best decisions for their lives in that specific moment. For example, clinicians should not be judgy or defensive or even coercive if a patient comes in a month later and they want to change their plan, like removing an IUD. Fourth, the phrase in the updated definition, reflective of the individual's life experience, is about humanizing patients and recognizing social determinants of health and multiple oppressions that a patient has and will experience. Fifth, in this last phrase, we put several terms together because we thought they were all necessary to women-centered communication. And this is shared decision-making, compassion, and non-judgmental communication. We talked about having the words trust and connection or rapport in the definition, but we felt like in order to have trust and connection, you need to first have shared decision-making, be compassionate, and be non-judgmental. And while we genuinely believe that trust is a cornerstone of successful communication, patients will not trust you if you are paternalistic, not compassionate, or show judgment. And why is trust in the patient-clinician relationship so important? Trust is essential to feeling safe, which maintaining patient safety is our ultimate goal as a clinician. Another important part of the synthesis of the body of work that we have done is recognizing our changing world and the evolution of language. In addition to how we define woman-centered communication, We have also asked ourselves, and we continue to ask ourselves, is calling the podcast Woman-Centered Health still appropriate? I'm really glad that we're talking about this because it's something that Nicole and I talk about a lot, and I think about a lot, and we talk with other people a lot about. So when we came up with the title, we felt it was really important to use the word woman, given the historical and current oppression of women, particularly in healthcare. But we recognize that this conversation is happening not only because of cis women, but because of trans and non-binary people. We also acknowledge the importance of inclusivity in healthcare and always strive to have diverse episodes and guests. Nicole and I have often said that we would love a more inclusive title, but person or human-centered health ignores the oppression of those who are not cis white men. And a podcast called Everyone But Cis Men-Centered Health doesn't seem to roll off the tongue quite as well. We also briefly talked about using the term woman with an X, but often that word is used to exclude trans women by implying that they are not women. And we also recognize that people are non-binary or that they might identify as trans man and do not want to use the term woman with an X or not an X. (laughs) We have had conversations with guests both on and off 
air about this dilemma, but we have not found a better title at this time. We acknowledge the use of the word woman is a limitation to our title and a limitation in the English language. Nicole and I will continue to have this conversation between ourselves and other guests. What we can say is that our understanding of the complexity and importance of inclusive language has only expanded and deepened as we have recorded these last 50 episodes. Yes, absolutely. So that was our heavy nerd synthesis that we really wanted to start out this podcast with. So now let's move on and talk about some of the favorite episodes. Some of our newer listeners may be thinking, y'all have 50 episodes, where should I start? But before we give you our personal opinion, here are the top 10 most listened to episodes. All right, so we're going to start with number 10, which is my episode. (laughs) Episode 28, Reproductive Life Planning with me, Dr. Stephanie Edmonds. In this episode, Nicole interviews me about my dissertation work with reproductive life planning, including what RLP is, diversity and how RLP is implemented, and how to communicate and do reproductive life planning with your patients. Then number nine, episode 37, the intersection of religion and abortion with Dr. McLean. In this episode, we explore the intersection of religion and abortion from the perspective of a provider who identifies as a person of faith and provides abortion care. We discuss how religion and spirituality and abortion are not mutually exclusive, and we discuss how to communicate with patients if a provider or institute does not provide contraception or abortion services. Number eight, episode 36, Pregnancy and COVID with Dr. Via Vincencio. In this episode, we talk about the complexity of navigating pregnancy care and birth during the COVID-19 pandemic, including a new program of prenatal care that was developed by her institution. You can find out more about this new program of prenatal care in episode 41 with Dr. Peel. Number seven, episode 32, Weight Stigma with our friend, Dr. April Prunty. In this episode, we discuss Dr. Prunty's dissertation research on the prevalence of both enacted weight stigma and weight self-stigma, the impact of weight stigma, and how to frame conversations about weight. Number six, episode 35, Trauma-Informed Telehealth with Dr. Megan Gerber. This potentially triggering episode builds nicely on episode 21 with Allison Tinker. But instead of focusing on what trauma-informed care is, this episode is more about how to provide trauma-informed care when doing telehealth or synchronous video visits. Number five, episode 38, Medical Violence with Storm O'Brank. Buckle up for this one in this potentially triggering episode. We discuss what medical violence is, how unconscious and or overt medical violence can be and the power of a gift of a difficult conversation. All right. Number four, episode 33, Black Women and Maternal Mortality with Lestasia Coleman and Lynette Cooper. In this incredibly powerful episode, we take a deep dive into the historical context of Black women's reproductive care in the U.S. and how that connects to the maternal mortality we see today. Number three, Episode 25, PCOS, with Dr. Rashmi Kudasia. In this episode, we get really clear on what PCOS is and what it is not, how and why diagnosing PCOS is often delayed, and how a diagnosis of PCOS can impact a patient. 
Number two, episode 30, Language and Pronouns with Francis Kuhnley. This episode makes it very clear as to how important it is to use inclusive language and correct pronouns and what to do if you or a coworker misgender someone. And number one, really exciting, episode 21, Trauma-Informed Care with Allison Tinker. In this potentially triggering episode, Allison really highlights the importance of recognizing that everyone slash anyone could have a history of trauma and that as clinicians, we don't need a disclosure. So really, all care should be trauma-informed, which we discuss how to do. All right, while these 10 episodes seem to be our listeners' favorites, Stephanie and I could not begin to pick a favorite. So instead of trying to pick a favorite, we want to talk about which episodes were most impactful to us. So let's check in with Stephanie first. Stephanie, which episodes had the most impact on you and why? Well, this is really difficult because I would just say all of them, uh, but I picked three. And for a variety of reasons. So one of them is episode 16, Contraceptive Decision-Making with Dr. Christine Dellendorf. This episode was really impactful to me because Dr. Dellendorf is one of my researcher idols. So I was fangirling when, when she agreed to be on our podcast and still I'm kind of in disbelief about it. But I have read her work for many years um, while, get, while in graduate school, and reading her work really made me passionate about shared decision-making with reproductive health, and it brought a lot of awareness to biases that I have and other clinicians have about birth control, especially LARCs and unplanned pregnancies. While I, ha- I knew a lot of this stuff before we recorded her episode, I was just really excited to get to speak with her and have her share her research and knowledge with other clinicians on the importance of communication about family planning. One of my favorite quotes that she said in the episode is, an unintended pregnancy is not a stroke. Some women specifically don't want an IUD or implant because they want the surprise or they don't want something in their body. And here she's just really trying to get the point across that clinicians should not be coercing women to get an IUD just to ensure that that woman doesn't have an unplanned pregnancy. So I'll end it there. (laughs) Okay. And then the second episode that was most impactful is episode 22, Overcoming Your Sex Shame with Dr. Nikki Julian. So sex shame is just another way society oppresses our bodies by making people feel badly about their bodies and about pleasure. Shame seeps into so much of our lives and impacts the way we communicate and how we feel about our friends, family, and in particular, our patients. To me, it really is similar to implicit bias because most of us are not even aware of the shame we have. I think what really impacted me is how Dr. Julian speaks to providers and the importance of exploring their own sex shame. If you are uncomfortable, you will not be able to effectively talk with your patients. We have to explore our own biases before caring for others. When providers slut shame, this is sex shame manifesting. For example, if a provider is discussing number of sexual partners in a bad way, that's putting your morality or values onto someone else, which is not okay. It is okay that you might have that moral value, but you don't need to put that on to your patient. 
we need to examine our own values and understand that it is only our value, not others. And I think that's a good theme throughout all of our episodes. And if you aren't aware that you're doing this, you have embodied sexual shame and you aren't even aware of it. It is something that I'm thinking about often and I always try to work on myself, especially because I have young children and I don't want to put any shame on them. And then finally, the third most impactful episode to me is episode 46, Neutral and Compassionate Care with Rebecca Volley and Dixie Weber. So this episode is basically everything Nicole and I stand for in, in one episode. It is foundational and should be taught in medical school, nursing school, every single school, even in kindergarten, I feel like. My favorite quote is from, I think it was Dixie who said this in the episode, you don't get a vote. You just don't. Whatever you think should have happened or this person should have done, it doesn't really matter. You don't get a vote in their life. Your job is to meet them in a neutral place and take great care of them, end quote. Rebecca and Dixie are so refreshing because of of how they train clinicians to do this by creating a trusting and non-judgmental space for clinicians to learn how to provide neutral and compassionate care. In this episode, they give clinicians grace for using the wrong language with patients because most of us have never been taught these things. I also like how they frame that they are relieving clinicians from the duty of having judgment or passing judgment. So Nicole, which episodes have the most impact on you and why? Also very difficult because I, I mean, I can like go through all the episodes and be like, oh, I remember this. I remember when they said this or when this happened. Um, But I, I had four. I couldn't narrow it down to three. So I'll try and make this brief. The first one was episode 30, Language and Pronouns with Frankie, which we had talked about as our listeners' favorites as well. And while I knew that inclusive language and appropriate pronouns were important, I didn't realize just how important it was. Like, it is literally life-changing. And as a person whose dad died by suicide, suicide is an issue that is very real and very personal to me. So to know that I could prevent or reduce the risk of someone dying by suicide just by using inclusive language and correct pronouns was very impactful for me. The next one was episode seven, Grassroots Perspective of Reproductive Justice, Abortion, Religion with Tony Bond Leonard. As a person immersed in reproductive health and interested in women's rights, of course, we connect the role of comprehensive sex education to sexual health outcomes, and we understand the complexity of abortion, and we know about social determinants of health, but stories have impact, and Tony Bond Leonard's story is beyond impactful, and I don't want to spoil it. So for especially for our folks who haven't listened to it, but you should, it just really brings all of these concepts that we learn about in academia and what I just talked about and makes them so real and impossible to ignore, especially how impactful and empowering knowing how your body works is. So I'm just going to leave it at that kind of a hanger. Go check it out. Episode seven. Uh, Me too, uh, Stephanie. I also found episode 22, Sex Shame, with Dr. Nikki Julian, also impactful. And as a person who was born and raised Catholic, yet has a PhD in nursing and women's sexual and reproductive health and has this podcast, it was a little core shaking to realize how much sex shame I have and how that is manifesting in my life. It wasn't something that I had really 
you know, I knew I had some, but I don't think I recognized the extent. And again, how that was showing up in my life. And Dr. Julian does a really great job of walking you through how to identify it. And this episode really caused me to do some deep soul searching and question what I know and how I act. So also something that's in the forefront of my life as a mother and married person and researcher. And so very, very applicable to anybody. Okay, and then my last one was episode 33, Black Women and Maternal Mortality with Lestasia Coleman and Lynette Cooper. I don't actually know how to put the power of this episode and the books that are mentioned in this episode into words. I really don't. That's the best I could come up with is that it's powerful. And this episode really highlights that we cannot fix maternal mortality and really so many issues we are seeing today without understanding how we got here. It's uncomfortable to learn about how we got here, but it's the hard work that has to be done. And it especially has to be done by white folks. And also, we need to recognize clinicians being a big part of this. So as Dixie and Rebecca said, in order to do the hard work, we have to do the heart work. And part of that heart work starts with listening to episodes and reading books that are mentioned in this podcast. Yeah, I didn't include the Tony Bon Leonard episode because I knew you were. But I remember feeling back when we recorded that because it was one of our earliest episodes. That was like kind of this moment like, wow, what did we get ourselves into? This is amazing. Talking to her was so awesome. I'm also fairly certain that our jaws just hung open for an hour and a half. Like, I think it was longer. I think we talked with her for almost three hours. And each it was I mean, was that that was almost four years ago. I still remember it very well. And again, like she is not a clinician, so it wasn't like tips like on a lot of our episode. It wasn't that kind of a frame, but just the powerful message that she shares. And to get to talk to someone who coined Mm -hmm. such a revolutionary term or concept, however you want to conceptualize it, is also a little like, whoa, (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I was like, how do we have the pleasure of speaking with her? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Okay. So we've thrown a lot of episodes at you, but we created one more list for you. Nicole and I have spent a lot of time trying to narrow down what we would call the basic communication package, like the foundations of to communication. And here are the top five that we came up with and why. And this is not an easy decision. You will likely see how these episodes relate to our definition of women-centered communication. The five episodes are number one, episode 21, Trauma-Informed Care with Allison Tinker. Any and every patient has the potential to have trauma history. So really all care should be trauma-informed. Allison helps you learn how to do this. Number two, episode 30, language and pronouns with Frankie. We cannot underscore how truly life-changing it can be for anyone, including clinicians to use inclusive language and appropriate pronouns for every patient. We cannot only use appropriate language for folks that we think are part of the LGBTQ population. Number three, episode three, 
Reproductive Justice with Dr. Aisha Wagner and Moira Rashid. We feel that a reproductive justice lens is a defining feature of women-centered communication. In this episode, they discuss what is reproductive justice from a medical lens. However, we also have another episode that we've talked about already, episode seven, where we speak with a woman, Tony Bond Leonard, who was one of the founding women to coin the term reproductive justice. And it is an incredibly powerful episode, as we have already mentioned. Number four is episode two, Unconscious Bias, with Dr. Wu and and Dr. St. Hilaire. We cannot underscore enough the importance of recognizing the role of unconscious bias and doing the work to recognize our own bias is critical to eliminating health disparities and providing equitable and quality care. Finally, number five, episode 46, Neutral and Compassionate Care, with Rebecca Volley and Dixie Weber. This episode does a fabulous job of operationalizing unconscious bias in a way that is tangible and accessible so that clinicians can provide judgment-free and compassionate care. Okay, so we have done a lot of looking back at past episodes, so let's transition and talk about now and the future. So like we said at the beginning, Stephanie and I are celebrating four years of recording, which seems so crazy. One, because we started this podcast while we were writing our dissertations. Maybe this was our great way of procrastinating, but we did both graduate on time, so I didn't get in too much of the way. Anyways, uh, number two, we have steadily released a podcast every month while giving birth to our children. (laughs) I remember listening and editing an episode while I was in the hospital, actually, about to give birth (laughs) to my son. So, yeah, yeah, we we multitask it. And number three, uh, that we have steadily released a podcast every month while working full-time jobs and moving multiple times. So we also have to admit that when we were reminiscing about our podcast and writing the script for this particular episode, we had a a moment of, we're crazy. Why do we do this to ourselves? And so I have to ask you, Stephanie, why do you keep recording and dealing with me? Okay, so I love dealing with you. (laughs) And I'm sure I'd be dealing with you even if we didn't record this podcast. It just, I almost think it helps us deal with each other more. But I feel like a lot of the time you have to deal with me and my competing time because I'm always busy uh, and I have a very jam packed schedule. But I almost feel like this podcast is a hobby. My only hobby. I don't know if that's sad or not, is to create more work for myself and improving women's health. (laughs) I'm on the board at an abortion clinic, and then I do this podcast. And I just love talking with you all the time, but also all of our guests. (laughs) Each one of our guests has a special place in my brain and my heart. It really helps me even to realize that there are people out there that are dedicating their lives as well to improving healthcare for people on the margins. It's almost like therapy to me. Also, this podcast has created many opportunities for me, including in my current job. I think that I got my current job because my boss was super interested when she saw that I had a podcast. My boss, who likes to be called a leader, not a boss, (laughs) 
are actually working on creating another podcast on evidence-based practice. So stay tuned for that because that will also be applicable to all clinicians. And she listens to every episode and she tells other people all the time what she's learned on our episodes. And I just love knowing that people are actually out there listening and hopefully changing the way that they practice healthcare. So how about you, Nicole? Why do you keep recording? What's funny is that when we started this podcast, I told my husband that this isn't something I'm going to get rich from, which by the way, we don't. We make enough just to pay for the podcast stuff. But I told him that I think this will pay out in ways that we don't know. And like Stephanie said, you know, she believes it helped her get her job. So paid out in a really great way that we absolutely could not have anticipated four years ago. And for me, though, this podcast has paid dividends in challenging me to be better, a better nurse, a better researcher, a better citizen. And I feel like so much of the information I use now, the ones I have now, what what I pay attention to and the books I read are because of this podcast. And I am so incredibly grateful for that. But at the end of the day, I think that why I keep putting the effort in, and this also relates to why I got my PhD, but as a rural woman who is now raising a little woman in a rural area, I weirdly care a lot, like in my bones, about rural women's sexual and reproductive health, because I really feel like sexual and reproductive health is so integral to women's overall life experiences and life outcomes, yet women's sexual and reproductive health has been so ignored, so oppressed, so repressed that we have to make a change. And for me, this change starts with communication from how parents and schools talk to kids, how clinicians communicate with patients, and more broadly, how society and our political system talks about women. And what I love about this podcast is that we in influence the influencers. Instead of talking directly to individual women, which likely would have limited our outreach a lot, we talk to clinicians who come in contact with lots of patients, rural or not. And I always think of the phrase, a rising tide lifts every boat. So while a clinician may not exclusively see rural women, if the care they deliver to all women improves, then so will the care of rural women. And our work here isn't done. We still have so much to talk about that even after four years, I couldn't even imagine ending our podcast and feeling satisfied that that we covered everything and that there's just no more to talk about. So I think I also just have this, we're not done yet. <laughs> no, that's a, a really good point. I think that there's so much that like almost I'm upset that we haven't gotten to yet. And totally agree. We, you know, there's a lot of things that we still need to discuss. And we definitely can record another four years. <laughs> and speaking of that, we would love the help of our listeners in finding experts to talk about more things. Some things that Nicole and I really would like to talk about more or have guests on about are menopause, cancer, endometriosis, chronic pain, all the different types of doulas, COVID vaccination, especially in pregnancy or when uh, trying to get pregnant, and then disabilities, like all types of disabilities. So if you know of someone or if you are 
someone who would be a great guest or have a topic in mind, please email us. Our email is wch at women with an a centered health.com. Or you can go to our website, womencenteredhealth.com, and click on the Contact Us button. We are also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as well. And we are also always looking for ways to grow our audience and our listener engagement. We have very few feedback loops <laughs> where we get to hear from our listeners. And it's it's always wonderful when we can hear back from y'all. So if you want to be a part of a movement that prioritizes patient-centered communication, healthcare, education, and if you like this podcast, please suggest it to others and rate us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Although I feel like our TikTok game is probably not great. I mean, our, our social media game is not great. Yeah, our TikTok general. is probably the lowest. <laughs> yes. but, you know, we're trying. Yes, we are trying. <laughs> we often joke that, you know, a lot of the stuff we do now is not really anything we learned. Getting a PhD and podcasting, social media and website building are all one of those. So this has been a humongous learning curve for us and uh, we are we are not great at social media if someone wants to help us out there <laughs> yeah we, we will take any interns yeah, yes <laughs> we would be all about that <laughs> okay now comes the huge announcement part nicole all right we recognize that right now our audience is listening out of the goodness of their hearts and they're listening to our episodes because they're interested in the content. And we cannot thank you enough for that. We also recognize that not everyone has the luxury of time to listen to our episodes when they have so many other competing priorities, especially education priorities. So we have been working over the last few years to find a way to give you continuing education credits for listening to our podcast. And it's finally happening. Woo! We are currently working out a partnership with a fabulous company to start offering nursing CEUs for a very low cost. And to say that we're excited is a massive understatement. <laughs> We should have more details in the next month or two, so please stay tuned. We will be releasing more details via social media and on future episodes. Yes, we plan to, when this is all finalized, to have the CEO of the company actually come and talk to us about what they do and how we fit into that so that y'all can learn about this really cool feature and get CEs for listening. Also, we would like to offer CE for physicians, but that is proving to be a lot more tricky. So if someone listening has any partnership ideas to, or ways to make that dream come true, please reach out to us. Yes, please. So Nicole and I could nerd out all day on our podcast. I think we sometimes do. But I think it's time to wrap it up with our usual question. Nicole, what is one thing you want all of our listeners to know about women-centered communication? Yes, our one of our pillar questions that we ask everybody. All right, I think the one thing I would want all of our listeners to know is that if this podcast has taught me anything about communicating with others, 
It is that much of the skill behind being a good communicator and establishing trusting relationships with others, including patients, starts with working on ourselves. And I think Rebecca and Dixie said it best when they said that the hard work begins with the heart work. We have to look inwards and challenge our beliefs, our unconscious bias, and we need to learn about history and how we are knowingly and unknowingly complicit in systems of oppression. And we need to get uncomfortable with ourselves before we can get comfortable with others. All right, Stephanie, what is the one thing you would want all of our listeners to know about woman-centered health communication? I think my response is really similar to yours, but I would add that clinicians need to leave all their personal baggage outside that exam room door. Just know that your expertise is so valuable, but your values, morals, judgments need to stay out of that room. Clinicians are there to help patients decide what their options are so the patient can make that decision and what they want to do with the information that you have. We all want to be treated as a human being. While every patient in front of you is unique, each one of them deserves your expertise, but also your compassion and for you to really listen to their needs, wants, and values. Yes, and I will say... Stephanie had mentioned that this was one of her most impactful ones, but I had recently re-listened to the episode with Christine Dellendorf on contraceptive decision-making, and she makes she has a really great discussion all about basically what Stephanie said, especially what shared decision-making is and how that applies to preference-based care, which birth control is preference-based. So if you want more of what Stephanie said, I would definitely go check out that episode. All right. Well, thanks again to all of our listeners for supporting us. And thanks to all of our guests who have taken their time to share their expertise with us. We cannot thank all of you enough. Thank you. We look forward to speaking with all our guests for another four years and for you to listen to our lovely voices for another (laughs) four years. And as always, we hope that you enjoyed another episode of the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. We are always looking for new supporters, sponsors, and guests. So if you'd like to be on our show or know someone who you think would be perfect, let us know. You can find more information on how to support us and contact us on our website at www.womancenteredhealth.com. Thank you.